When you hear that music again, it's Gersh Kunzman and Vince DiMaselli of Brooklyn Paper Radio recording live on podcast, iTunes, Mixler, all those different formats from the Brooklyn Paper Building in downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. Vince DiMaselli yeah. on my right, a handsome and sometimes articulate man. Sometimes. Good man. Now, look, Vince, I know you want to get to the big story of the day, the Oroway spillway disaster in California. We but got we. It. We People have, are in danger, Gersh. We have a way bigger show than that. Okay. We've got this week's Trump buster. Councilman Brad Lander will be on the show talking about busting Trump. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a Brooklyn shrink who was so offended by the way the Senate shut down Senator Elizabeth, quote unquote, Pocahontas Warren. Where's she from? She's from Brooklyn Heights. And we're going to. No, no, no. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is from Massachusetts. Ah, Taxachusetts. Yeah, I People's Republic Massachusetts. of Massachusetts. Anyway, this Brooklyn shrink. Went on GoFundMe and raised $1,600 to fill Elizabeth Warren's office with flowers mm-hmm. as a way of saying, don't let the bastards get you down. I well, not, not for Valentine's Day. Well, it's, it's time to today because today is Valentine's Day, Vince. Oh, okay. And I will say this to you, Vince. Mm-hmm. Will you be my radio Valentine? Absolutely. Good. I, I, really? Do you want to hold hands? We are. We already were holding hands. I oh, can't believe right. you, you, you wouldn't say that to the public. Anyway, uh, I, I want you to know. I love Valentine's Day. Why? Because I love love, right? What do I love, Vince? You do love love. I love love. Anyway, and you love um, being loved. Well, if my uh, lady friend is listening, please, uh, happy Valentine's Day to her. To her. Yeah. And her alone. <laughs> Very well said, Vince. Anyway, I, I got to tell you, we are in the middle of, I like to call it the Trump Revolution. Yeah, yeah, I'm all in. But so, I'm, I'm thinking of resigning my post. <laughs> I'm all in. I love he's, he's typing something. Yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm thinking of resigning my post. What Gersh, post was that? What my post, post in the Trump administration. Oh, I think you should. Why? Well, what was your post? Well, I really, it's it, all my dealings with the Russians. Yeah, I know. You are, uh, you're, you're, you're anti-sanction. Anyway, the reason we're doing, even talking about Trump, because Donald Trump, he's down there in Washington. Who the hell knows what he does? Or Florida. But we have made a series on Brooklyn Paper Radio to celebrate the efforts of Trump busters all over the borough. As you know, we've already spoken to Representative, I call him Congressman Jerry Nadler of the Upper West Side and Brooklyn. We've spoken to Borough President Eric Adams about about his own personal Trump busting. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to talk to Councilman Brad Lander. Who has been spe- every weekend? I don't. Do you follow it, Lander on Twitter? It's Blander. Do you follow Blander on Twitter? <laughs> of course it's, I do. It's an who unfortunate, <laughs> it's an unfortunate Twitter handle, Blander. But the point is, he's out there every weekend busting Trump. He's a Trump buster. But the question, who are you going to call? I'm doing sound. I'm doing music. Oh, am I supposed to do lyrics? You're doing lyrics. Brad Lander. Okay. Well, you know what we're getting at. But here's the question, Vince, and I'm going to ask him the tough question. Nice little sound effect, Jimmy. I'm going to ask Brad Lander the tough question. Do you know what the tough question is? Go. No. Do you know what the tough question is? I'm asking you what it is. So I've asked this to other Trump busters. I always say, look, you're out there doing rallies. You're doing speeches. You're you're holding up posters in front of whiteboards, whatever. They got those. The tough question. What are we supposed to do, do? In other words, rallies are great. And making phone calls or sending flowers to a congresswoman's office is great. Mm-hmm. But what are we actually supposed to do to stop Donald Trump's excesses? And I have an answer now. Oh, really? Yeah, because I did it yesterday. How did you how'd you come about this? So I don't know. Do you remember, Jimmy, if you could put this up. Remember this story yesterday? Donald Trump and the uh, prime minister of Japan, Shinzo Abe, uh-huh. had a very public 
discussion about national security issues in the wake of North Korea's missile firing test on Saturday. Did you see the picture of this? Yeah, they were sitting there, uh, I believe, having – would they have a beer together? What they were having dinner okay. at Mar-a-Lago in public. Mar-a-Lago is – is it a compound? Is it a restaurant? What is Mar-a-Lago? Well, it's Donald Trump's private golf country club. Members pay $200,000 to be able to join Mar-a-Lago. That's just Great the initiation deal. fee. Great deal. It's so classy. Top notch. Anyway, it's so important. Mm-hmm. But you pay $200,000, $200, and then next thing you know, North Korea fires a missile, and Shinzo Abe and President Trump are sitting there discussing their response to this and looking at highly sensitive documents while their aides shine a light on the documents so they could see that. You saw this picture. I, I've, I've seen a part of it or something. I don't know. So I wrote this up, and obviously my outrage was... was you wrote it up where, Gersh? I wrote it up in the New York Daily News where I work. Uh, for now. And what I'm going to say about that is I was outraged. Why was I outraged, Vince? Um, I don't know. I didn't read it. Oh. Why, why don't you tell us? Wow, that's nice. Didn't read it. No. Jimmy, can you put up my column? Anyways, so if you're listening live, just go to my column. But the point is I wrote about how outraged I was that Donald Trump and Shinzo Abe would have a very highly sensitive discussion about national security issues right there in plain sight. People were taking pictures of it. Melania was there. You know, the waiters were serving the iceberg wedges, mm. literally clearing the plates of the iceberg wedges. I like an iceberg wedge. I mean, with a little blue cheese, fantastic. That's oh, wonderful. A little bacon on top. Oh, you got to have the bacon. Yeah, what what is it? What's providing the taste? Yeah, you need that bacon there. You put a tomato in that salad? Uh, no, when I have the uh, yeah. the blue cheese salad, uh, the 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 iceberg lettuce. No, I just go straight. Just iceberg blue cheese, a little a little bacon bits. That's it, bacon bits. A little onion. No. Okay. Well, anyway, at Mar-a-Lago, you can eat that way. The waiters are clearing away the uh, iceberg wedge plates, and Trump and Abe are discussing. So my point about that was, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where's the press pool? Was the press pool there? Good question, Gersh. The answer is no. No press pool. No press pool. The only reason we even know about it is because a guy named Richard Diagazio was there. Who's he? Some guy who paid $200,000 to be a member of the Mar-a-Lago club. He's a guy on the inside. The guy on the inside, Vince, and you know this better than anybody else, should be a journalist. It's got to be a journalist. It's got to be on the inside. So I said— Not a, not a deep-pocketed uh, bazillionaire? Yeah, no, not a deep—well, no, unless he's a journalist, oh, okay. which I am not. But here's the thing—deep-pocketed billionaire, by the way. I am a journalist. Okay. So I set up a GoFundMe page, and if you—Jimmy, can you put up that GoFundMe page? What's the link there, Jimmy? Yeah, it's a URL. It's HTTP something. It's it, but the name of the the name of the page is send a real journalist to Mar-a-Lago, and the idea is if I raise two hundred thousand dollars, I can then pay the initiation fee, and I could be your man on the inside. There we go. So what do you think? Is that possible? I think it's going to be tough to come up with that two hundred thousand dollars. Well, so here's what happened. The first day I posted, but our it, operators are standing by for the in in within an hour. I had raised forty five dollars. Forty five bucks. You know bad. what I'm up to now. Now, do you have to raise the entire thing? You have to yeah, raise do, yeah. the whole 200000 or else everybody gets their money back? Well, nobody's actually given me money. It's all pledges. Okay. I have raised $145. So we're almost there. We're almost there. We're going to go like 1,000% more. Well, what, what's, what's it? i got to go 100, 100, 990, 860. <laughs> not, Jimmy, can you do the math? Can you put that math up? I anyway, got Jimmy here just for math. So if you want to send Gersh Kuntzman to Mar-a-Lago... To what's cover the, what's the website, Gersh? Jimmy, put it up. What is yeah, it? Yeah, it's it's GoFundMe. It's GoFundMe. If you want Go to GoFundMe. If you want to Gersh. send me to Mar-a-Lago. Huntsman. Yeah, you want to send me to Mar-a-Lago, go to go GoFundMe right now. Now, the reason it's important, 
There it is. Put a real journalist in Mar-a-Lago by Gersh yeah, Kunstmann. got it. So you just, all you did was Google it that. Took two seconds. It's okay. been up 21 hours. Let's Jim, see how much money you got. How Maybe much money do I have right now? You're at $125. Oh, 120. Well, I guess one of my pledges withdrew, having, <laughs> having read my other copy. Anyway, the point is I am a real journalist. We need a journalist on the inside at Mar-a-Lago. I am that journalist. Send me oh, to Mar-a-Lago. Oh, Aaron uh, pledge. Yeah, Naperstek pledged some money. Naperstek, good, good, good Brooklynite. We got a couple of good Brooklynites in there. Anyway, we got to get out. The point is send me to Mar-a-Lago. And it's important. Here's why. Vince, do you remember? Wait, have you looked into the rules and regulations of being a, uh, you know, a, a, a card-carrying uh, guest at Mar-a-Lago? Like, no. No, I haven't. I mean, because I'm guessing that when you get there, you, there might be rules and regulations. You might, not have, you might not be able to take those pictures, those selfies. You might not be able to issue reports from the field. I, I, I beg to differ. Okay. Can so I differ? You can try, but I, I just should, begged. You should look into it. All right, it. here's why it's important, Vince. And I know you want to get out, but I want to stay in. Mm. The other day, I had a conversation with Mark Simmons. You know who Mark Simmons is? Absolutely not. Okay, Mark Simmons is a Brooklyn chef. Oh, yeah. Runs a restaurant oh, called... Oh, he's the guy with the receipts. Yeah, he runs a restaurant called Kiwiana. See, now I'm in. Now I'm in. Do you know why it's called Kiwiana? No, why? He's from New Zealand. Oh, he's from New Zealand, like, like Rupert Murdoch? He's <laughs> sort of... Murdoch's from Australia, but the idea is they're both immigrants. Okay. Mark well, that's Simmons. That's what I meant. He's, he's, a, he's an immigrant like Rupert Murdoch. Mark, I, Mark Simmons is an immigrant, runs Kiwiana. He was also on a show called Top Chef. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. The other day, he starts writing on the bottom of his receipts. Instead of it's having it say, have a good day or tip your server, yeah. he changes the receipt tape. Yeah, you can change those. Yeah, I didn't know that. No, you can. It doesn't have to say, like, have a nice day or whatever. You can write whatever you want there. Yeah, but if you buy the cash register. If you wanted to say, go F yourself, you could have it say, go F yourself at the end of the. Uh, I would say, go B yourself. B- go B E? B-, B dash dash dash. Go, go blow yourself. Oh, is that it? I yeah, see. because that's like, go fuck yourself is like saying, you're an asshole. I hate you. Go blow yourself is like, hey, if you could blow yourself, that'd be something. Yeah. Johnny, can you put up a picture of that? Johnny, you got that? Anyway, yeah, we all got right. that. <laughs> Good you. job. Okay, so I had a chance to interview Mark Simmons, mm-hmm. and and I asked him this great interview. I published it on the New York Daily News website. You can go search Mark Simmons and Gersh on the Daily News website. You'll I bet you it. could just search Mark Simmons and Gersh. And do I it. Bet you do that it. Come up. And anyway, <clears throat> keep talking. I had a chance to talk to Mark Simmons, but he could not come and do the interview today on the air. So subbing in for Mark Simmons, we got Rupert Murdoch to read Mark's part of this. Okay, you ready, sir? Oh, I'm looking at the, uh, this. J.K. Simmons. Yeah, you ready, sir? Rupert. Yes. Oh, there you go. Okay, good to good to see you, Mr. Rupert, Rupert Murdoch. Yes, it's good to be here. Okay, so here's my article. Earlier this month, Brooklyn restaurateur Mark Simmons added a pointed message to the bottom of receipts at his eatery, Kiwiana. Quote: Immigrants make America great. They also cooked your food and served you today. Mm-hmm. Over the weekend, federal officials rounded up dozens of immigrants in raids. So I reached out to the New Zealand native Simmons to discuss the current anti-immigrant climate in this country. The following is an edited version of our actual conversation. So Indeed. I, so I started off. And again, we only called in Rupert Murdoch because Simmons couldn't do the interview. So Rupert, it's great to, Mr. Murdoch, it's great to see you. Good to be here. So why, Mark Simmons, not Rupert Murdoch, why did you put that pro-immigrant message on your receipts in the first place? I wanted to remind ourselves and our customers that we at Kiwana... Kiwiana, are an equal opportunity employer in that I am an immigrant, I hire immigrants, and children of immigrants. I was just upset about the executive order banning refugees and visitors from the seven Muslim countries. To be honest, it just made me quite... It just made quite a few of my staff concerned. It was such a big statement by the president, which they heard as 
If those countries, if it's those countries first, then we are next. I believe he said, then are we next? And are we next? Do you know how to read, Mr. Murdoch? I don't know what happened. <laughs> okay. So then this <laughs> is so good. <laughs> I know you, you really were good in rehearsals. I, I was in rehearsal. You know what it is? There's something in my way. Okay. There's something in my way. Okay. And then, and then this weekend, Mr. Murdoch? Ah, yes. This weekend, people started being uh, rounded up. I was shocked. It feels like we're in an alternative universe or possibly a comedy show. It does not seem real. These decisions are getting made so quickly, and it does not seem well thought out or strategic in any way. It feels like whoever is in charge does not have a plan, and my workers feel that they're just waiting for it to happen. Okay, so since you put this uh, pro-immigrant message on your receipt tape, what's the reaction been? In the neighborhood, it's been 100% positive, and I've gotten supportive calls from all over the world. I know that some Americans believe that these deportations are good, but that's not what my customers say. I am surrounded by people who have the same perspective and reminds me that the majority of the people of Earth are good people. So over time, I'm optimistic they will see Trump's actions as unnecessarily cruel. If enough of us can make our voices heard, hopefully uh, we can stop this. Yeah, but you've gotten some backlash, no? Well, somebody did call my restaurant and yell, See Kyle Trump! Another person called up and threatened me with physical violence. I said, I'll be here until 11 p.m. He didn't show up. Uh, but then he called the next day and I said, Please tell me you're coming tonight. I'm not the kind of person who holds his hand over an open flame, but I won't be cursed into changing what I believe in. What I see out there is completely fucked up. Well, that's great. That was Rupert Murdoch channeling... Well, actually, it was Vince DiMaselli channeling Rupert Murdoch, channeling Mark Simmons, an actual person who had the actual conversation you just heard with an actual journalist, Gersh Kunstman, Mar-a-Lago-bound Gersh Kunstman. I think I'm going to do the rest of the show as my horrible impersonation of Rupert Murdoch, who I don't even know... I don't even know what he sounds like. Full disclosure, in case you're not understanding why Vince does a Rupert Murdoch impersonation at all, Rupert Murdoch once owned the Brooklyn paper, indirectly. Yes, he did. On occasion, I would call Gersh and ask him what was happening at CB10. (laughs) Let's do that. That's my favorite. So I used to edit the Brooklyn paper, and I would cover Community Board 10 in Bay Ridge. So I would get the call, the phone call, the phone would ring, and I'd pick up, I'd say, oh, hello, this is Gersh, and I would hear this voice. Rupert here, cuntsman! Ah, oh, Mr. Murdoch, what can I do for you? I want to know what's going on at CB10. <laughs> this Joanne Simonera seems to be getting a little bit too big for her britches. Wait, m- Mr. Murdoch, are you calling me about a, a local issue in Beirut? All politics are local, cuntsman! If anyone knows that, it's you! Well, so what do you think we should do about Seminary? I mean, she's, she's obviously an important public figure. I mean, you're not suggesting well i think you better just get it done well get get what done get what are you implying sir look something up <laughs> and that was the conversation he actually at that time said dig something up. oh dig <laughs> something up and that's those are the kind of conversations i would have with rupert murdoch during our brief period when rupert murdoch was our was our corporate overseer here at cng no more ladies and gentlemen no more i sold the company <coughs> You did. And how much did you get for it? None of your business. <laughs> it, your beeswax. The business the business of CNG is my business, sir. Is it, though? Well, not anymore. I work for the Daily News now. Ah, right. we got to take a break. Rubbish. We are about to get a bunch of calls from important people, including Brad Lander and a Brooklyn Heights psychiatrist, psychoanalyst, who is sending flowers to Elizabeth Warren today on Valentine's Day. So, Jimmy, give us a little commercial music and we'll pay some bills. Yes. Mr. Murdoch. Mm. Are you looking for a dentist that provides quality care at an affordable price? 
Have you ever read the big book of British smiles? <laughs> then I guess you are. Well, look no further than Joseph Lichter. And good news is, Lichter's got a state-of-the-art office, but I have the new price sheet. There it is. The new price sheet. Zoom bleaching, $3.95. Got it done. Implants, $12.50. Done. Invisalign, which is that adult braces on the inside of your teeth, $3,995. Don't need it, but if I did, I'd get it. Yeah, that's about $1,000 less than anybody else. Veneers, $750. Don't know what they are, but yes. Okay. Do you know that Lichter is also the dentist for the New York Riveters, which are the women's National Hockey League team in New York? National Hockey, yes. No, 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 but here's the idea. If you're a dentist for a hockey team, that means you're a pretty damn good dentist. You got, got to be. So go to Lichter. He's at 1420 Avenue P in Brooklyn. It's between the East 14th and 15th in Midwood. His number is 718-339-7878. Smile makeovers, dental implants, porcelain veneers, Invisalign, periodontal plastic surgery, teeth whitening, etc. Joseph Lichter, get the smile you want to get. Atlas Steakhouse offers you a unique a dining experience. First, you choose your steak, and every cut is aged to tender perfection on site. Then you can pair it with a vintage from their extensive wine list or with one of their Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktails. Enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut as you desire. And when your main course arrives, you'll understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always offer you a cut above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Island Avenue. Visit them on the web at atlassteak.com. Now, I finally got a commercial here for you, uh, Mr. Murdoch. You're an old guy. Yes. You've been married like four or five times. Uh-huh. Right now, you're with Jerry Hall. Beautiful woman. <laughs> no question about it. And if you're with a woman like Jerry Hall, you want to see what's possible when healthcare gets personal. That's why you're going to call Village Care Max. Here's why. They're a Medicaid-managed long-term plan, so Jerry Hall doesn't have to worry about your appointments and your medications and all the stuff you need to do to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. Village Care Max will do that, working with a team of professionals to help you with your doctor. So get more information. Call Village Care Max at 800-469-6292 or visit villagecaremax.org. Get ready for their slogan, Village Care Max. Live the life you want to live with Jerry Hall. That's the life I want. You, you signed up for it, baby. That's right. Atlas Meat Market. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> Go. You know what they have at Atlas Meat Market? They have all the finest cuts. You can get your steak. You can get your chicken. You can get your veal, and it will be cut right in front of you. Best of all, it's halal. So you won't have to worry about any pork. And they also, uh, the big thing about the Atlas Meat Market is that they deliver anywhere in the world, including Australia. You need to send a steak someone, friendly, mum, whoever, do it. Go online, order your steaks, they send it out. Don't have time to make it down to the store? I never have time to make it down to the store. Don't worry about it. Just go online, shop. They'll deliver it right to your door. Atlas Meat Market is located at 387 Avenue X. You can call them at 347-915-2000. Atlas Meat Market. Open today from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. All right. Wow, that's great. Can we get rid of that music? I'm just texting Brad Lander that now would be a good time uh, to, to call us. And if you're if you're out there listening and you want to call in also, we're at 718-260-4502. Now, while we're waiting for Brad Lander, I do have to do a little introduction because he's just going to call. Okay? Yeah. 
Brad Lander's been in the city council for only a few years. <laughs> but in that small amount of time, the former head of the Pratt Area Community... I'm not reading. The former head of the Pratt Area Community Council has done yeoman's work. Now, Vince sits around and he says, what do these guys do? Correct. Ask me. Gosh, what do these guys do? Well, they don't do much. But using his bully pulpit as a council member, Lander has... Well, go to his Twitter stream for a second. Go, go to Twitter Brad Lander. Because you're going to read some of those in, in Rupert Murdoch's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the kind of guy who's a very... He's a progressive councilman. Now, you don't like that term. You just think he's a liberal. That's fine. But he's out there every week. He goes to rallies. He, he, he's the guy who I learned, for example, on his Twitter feed, that the ICE, which we used to call the INS, had started rounding up people, 40 people all over the metropolitan area. I, it's not like the INS or ICE had released that information Lander actually released a leaked memo from ICE. So Lander has been helping get the information out there, and that's valuable in this day and age. You want to read some of his tweets? How about hidden pences? Where their bad math, racism, and misogyny leads our space program and the federal government in general to crash and burn. So that's a little joke there. He's taking hidden, hidden figures... And turning into Hidden Pences, which is funny because of the joke about Hidden Fences. I thought this was a reference to that movie, Picket Fences. No, that's with Fibish Finkel, the late great. Anyway, the point is, give me another one. Former New York City Deputy Mayor at Howie Wolf lays out the broader issues at stake in Albany's move to preempt New York City's BYO bag law, timesunion.com, timesunion. So he gives you the link. So what you do is you read these stories and you're like, oh, Lander helped me out a little bit because he gave me some information I didn't know. And as you know, Lander is very much in favor of the, of the plastic bag ban. Believe he wrote the bill. Is that true, Mr. Murdoch? Possibly. We'll ask him. Anyway, he's going to call in a couple of minutes. If you hear the sound of, of Lander's voice and you want to call in, 718-260. Good luck to Bill Perkins in today's city council race in Harlem, Upper Manhattan. A long-time progressive champion. So here's so there he is endorsing a candidate for a, for a state senate seat. We need more progressives in the state senate, so that's good. Glad to be at Apollo Theater in Harlem for at New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio's 2017 State of the City. Beautiful and fitting venue. Okay, that's a little Trumpian. That's a little Trumpian, that one. That's that's used because it's useless information. I'm at the State of the City, is what he said there. Great work from our... Fight for 15 friends. We need a labor secretary that values and stands up for workers. So that's at 32BJSEI. And what's he doing there? He's linking to a nation uh, article. He's linking to an article in The Nation about the fight for 15. Now, you know, Mr. Murdoch, the fight for 15 is very important because uh, minimum wage workers should make 15. And as you see, Lander's also championing the workers at Babeland. Congrats to at Babeland underscore NYC and workers on agreeing to historic first contract with at RWDSU. Big win all around. Just in time for Valentine's Day. Now, there's a perfect example of what a councilman can do. He helped bring Babeland and the union to the table, and now it's we shall overcome as far as I'm concerned. You, get, you see what I did there, Mr. Murdoch? We shall overcome. Because it's Babeland. I got and can, it. And people have orgasms. When I they, you, put that together. Because when two you have an orgasm, two. sometimes people say you can Or one and one. Yeah. yeah. Or in this case, one and zero. Yes. It's just you and a vibrator, baby. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, you, thank you. You always go into an Irish accent when you laugh, Mr. Murdoch. Is that, a re, is, that a, is that something related to the fact that you're Australian, but you also were a British media mogul? It's very confusing to, to me. Very confusing. <laughs> now you went Scottish. All right. What else did Lander tweet? Our neighborhood public schools... Our genuine civic treasures nominate your, I'm sorry, public libraries, not schools. 
Nominate your at Brooklyn Library Branch for at NYC Lib Awards. Bit.ly slash 1PL. <laughs> In case you're following at home, just click it. Oh, Jimmy, put that tweet up. Anyway, the point is Lander is out there helping the community. You Show up for racial justice. Join Congregation Beth Elom's Raise the Age campaign today. You're such an anti-Semite, Mr. Murdoch. That's Beth Elohim. Elom. <laughs> All right. Anyway, we're waiting for Councilman Brad Lander to give us a call. And in the meantime, I'd like to just... Do you want to keep doing the Murdoch thing when Lander's on the phone? <laughs> it's starting to hurt my voice. <laughs> I think you're... Let, can we... Jimmy, can we get a little playing play out Rupert Murdoch music just to play him out so he can leave? Mr. Murdoch, thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure to be here. You're not nearly as handsome as Vince DiMasselli, so we're going to have to let you go. I disagree. Well, I am going to let you go. All right, then. Goodbye, Gush. Thank you, Rupert Murdoch, former owner of the Brooklyn paper and obviously owner of the New York Post for joining us. And the Wall Street Journal, mind you. Yeah, something about that. Anyway, Jimmy, thank you very much. Now, can we we get a little welcome back Vince music? (laughs) Same song. (laughs) Oh, there's Vince Maselli. Welcome back. It's good to be here, Gersh. You are, okay, you are obviously a handsome man. Ah, thank you. Did you see Rupert Murdoch on the way out? I did. I saw him go through the door. And what, did you shake his hand? Yeah, of course I did. We used we to had be- a scotch. Oh, that was a quick one. Okay. Yeah, we'll mess around. Wow. And it's great to be joined. You know, we are up against Brian Lair right now. Really? Yeah. So That's if you're listening, true. if you're listening now and, and you know, you have other options and there's Brian Lair out there right now. Oh, here he is. Here's Brad Lander. Can we get this on the phone? Can I pick it up? It should be on auto. No, don't pick it up. He should come right on. Councilman- Brad Lander, you're on the air. It sounds great. I'm hey. happy to be on the air. So that's Councilman Brad Lander. We have given you an unbelievable introduction. We've read some of your positive progressive tweets over the last few days. We, <laughs> we talked about your career before the council. But today we're focused on a very important topic. You're our Trump buster of the week. Wow. So congratulations. Uh, the question we keep asking people about busting Trump is, you're out there at the protests. You're out there on your Twitter stream sending out good information, quality information about what Trump is doing to your followers. I'm reading your Twitter stream. I'm getting educated about what Trump is doing. But is it enough? Is it enough? Well, of course it's not enough. I mean, look, we're at a very odd and dangerous moment in the country. And I think the resignation of uh, General Flynn today shows it even more because Aside from the political polarization, um, aside from policies that pose real harm to specific uh, to people we care about, to immigrants, to Muslims, to women, et cetera, et cetera, you know, having uh, someone in the White House who in all likelihood has a diagnosable narcissism disorder. And, uh, you know, it's been interesting to see some of the new news about that, or at least uh, psychiatrists willing to talk more about it. You're welcome. It's creating a level of chaos and uncertainty that's just hard to sustain. And, I mean, no one can do enough to counter for that. Um, Let's stick but with, I don't know what our choice is. Let's stick, with immigrants. Let's stick with immigrants for a second, because this weekend we saw some... I mean, I think it's... I'm really horrified by it. Now, I know that the uh, ICE is going around saying that I think all but three of the people they rounded up in the New York metropolitan area are criminals. Now, three of them had some violent felonies, and obviously even the Obama administration would have moved to deport them. But who are, yep. they, who are they rounding up, Mr. Lander? Who are they rounding up? Well, they won't tell us. Yeah. You know? So that is what is in part so difficult. You know, you're right that they've given us information on three out of the you know, several dozen 
uh, folks that they, they conducted raids on, and, and they acknowledge that some of them have no criminal record uh, at all. Mm-hmm. And there's every reason to believe that beyond the three who committed these more serious violent offenses, which is, again, you say most people would agree that they should be arrested and, and if, if they're guilty, deported, um, that everybody else there is probably guilty of very minor offenses, right? Like a speeding ticket, you know, or they ran a red light or... You know, there's just lots of misdemeanors or, or, for which, unfortunately, you know, people wind up in Rikers. But in this case, you can use them just to trump up charges and deport people. Well, and Trump made clear on his Twitter feed that it's merely to keep campaign promises and without regard to what's actually public safety or good for the country. Right. And in some of these cases, the only crime may simply be illegally immigrating to the United States. Correct. A good point as well, that obviously if you're here without documents, that itself is a crime that they can use to say you're a criminal, right. Right. Uh, but it's not what most people would mean. I think, you know, there is broad consensus that if people are genuinely violent offenders or, you know, selling drugs and guns or gang members, you know, that we don't want those folks on the street. And if they're if they're here legally, they should be arrested and put in, in prisoners right. in prison. And if they're not here legally, then that is uh, an appropriate case to begin deportation proceedings. But most of what we're talking about are either just uh, the fact of being here or very low-level offenses that just are not what anyone would think of as, as dangerous or criminal by any stretch of the imagination. But I'll just point out your original point, which is we could know. They, they know who these people mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. and what it is they're charged with and the refusal to provide basic public information about what should be a matter of public record and eventually will be a matter of public record um, is just part of what's so appalling here. The fact that you can't trust the government to give you information and that, in fact, you know as often as not when spokespeople are speaking to the news media that they're perfectly comfortable lying um, you know, just another thing that makes this moment so challenging. I, I got to ask you, what do you say to those people that say, you know what, it is enough that they broke the law to get into this country and they should be deported? Because, I mean, that's the argument that I'm having with, with rational people that come into my office every day as the editor of the Brooklyn paper and say, where do you stand on this? And I'm like, well, if people aren't doing anything wrong, and then they say, no, they already did something wrong. They broke into the country. What do you say to those people? I mean, look, we're... You know, obviously there is this broader immigration debate about to what extent immigration is good or bad for the country and how to understand it. You know, my, you know, whatever. All our folks go back to immigrants. Uh, my folks go back to immigrants as well. Yeah, but um, these people will say to me, but but uh, my parents came in legally. My great-grandparents came in legally. They did it by the book. And they learned the uh, national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance, and they learned English. Well, first... <laughs> People would love a path to citizenship. So if what we're talking about is how to deal with the system we have, with something like 12 million people here who want. I mean, look, I agree with you. If they don't want to do what's necessary to become citizens, they can't get on a path to citizenship. Mm -hmm. But it just seems so much more sensible to me that people that have been here, that are working, that are following the rules, who would like to move towards citizenship should have a path to do so. Um, you know, I don't know what to say. If, if you don't, if for people who are so angry for whatever it is in their own lives that they believe their opportunity and path to success 
has been blocked by hardworking immigrants doing often low-wage jobs and following the rules, just trying to take care of their families, both here and around the world. I don't really know what to say to them. It's another challenge of this polarized moment. We are a big enough and compassionate enough country to have policies that work for white working and middle class Americans to have a path to success, to get a good education, to get on a path to a good job, uh, to get help and support, you know, uh, whether your town is on the rise or whether it's facing uh, challenges from shifts in the economy without blaming immigrants for other for problems they didn't cause um, and without losing our compassion for people's families. And, you know, most people know, I guess the one thing I think that I have heard work is most people know folks like that in their lives, um, you know, whether it's someone who did some landscaping for them or, you know, whatever, has babysat for them, you know, and, and can find some compassion for those families and recognize those aren't the folks that are uh, making our economy more unequal, um, are making it harder to get health insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but we just like this is another thing that's troubling about the moment is, We'd like to be able to have a narrative in which people can talk to each other in situations that aren't so polarized, where everyone's not already decided what they think ahead of time, um, and which leads to just a kind of blame game, uh, which well, is where we are at the moment. But unfortunately, well, there does seem to be something about human nature that makes it easier to tap into and stoke people's fears and, and blaming, and we're stuck there. Right well, you, well, no, not really. I'll tell you, I don't know, you're a busy man, Councilman Lander, but uh, you may not have seen an article I did in the Daily News yesterday in which I called for anybody who says that a Mexican or any other immigrant is taking a good job away from a, uh, an unemployed white American well, you know what? Maybe we need to send all of those unemployed white Americans to free college. That's what we should have. The government should say, you know what? Everybody gets a free college education, every citizen. You support something like that? Then they can't complain that the Mexicans taking their job. Yes. I mean, I, you know, and I think that's why, obviously, Bernie Sanders did well in some of the places that <laughs> we're talking about. And yes, I mean, you know, if the, there's no doubt that getting a higher education in a free or affordable way, obviously, depending on your income, is, is what makes sense, is what's critical, is what helps you move forward if a blue-collar job that you had uh, or that existed in your community disappears. So, yes, I, I totally agree with you that the way to try to move forward um, is just that. How do we all elevate? What do policies look like? Um, you know, I sure don't mind offering that in a way that puts people in line first who, uh, you know, are already citizens or follow the rules. I mean, I think there's value in the dream policies as well. But I think the point you make and, you know, in many ways, kind of the center of the Sanders campaign, mm -hmm. um, you know, is a very valuable message point right now. For, for, sure. for the record, I was not at the center of the Sanders campaign. I'm an independent <laughs> journalist. I appreciate it. Hey, listen, we, I know you're a Trump buster. I know you got to go in a couple of minutes, but I do want to have you update our listeners on the bag fee. You you yep. and your little bag fee got stymied in Albany, am I right? Wow, this has been a fascinating. I mean, the final final decision has not been made. We suspect it'll be made tomorrow. The law, our law, which we passed last spring and was supposed to go into effect in October, and we agreed to delay it until February 15th to try to do another round of negotiations. It's supposed to go into effect tomorrow. So New York City would join you know, hundreds of cities and states and even countries around the world, from Washington, D.C. to L.A., from Seattle to Portland, Maine, the whole state of 
California, even countries like England, Ireland, Israel, South Africa, uh, China, all have vaccines in place. And it sounds like a problem, but really what you quickly realize is it just helps everybody start bringing reusable bags most of the time. We can all do it. We can get rid of ten, you know, most of the 10 billion single-use plastic bags. So simple, effective policy. We sure did not expect for it to become uh, such a dramatic conflict. But now the state assembly and the state senate have both passed legislation that would nullify the council's law and uh, prohibit the city from doing a bag fee for at least a year. It's totally hypocritical because Suffolk County, which has more than one and a half million people, and the city of Long Beach and Nassau County, both in New York State, last time I looked, uh, they both have adopted a policy just like New York's policy, and the state legislature isn't nullifying their laws. Why don't but they have passed legislation to nullify it? It's sitting on Governor Cuomo's desk. If your listeners want to call the governor, there's still time. If he vetoes this bill, then our law will go into effect tomorrow. But if he signs it, then we will continue to be stuck with 91,000 tons of plastic solid waste. Why, why don't we have home rule on uh, on the bag fee? Why does this have to go through Albany? Oh, uh, you know, this is a great and broader question. You know, in American kind of constitutional uh, policy and history, states are the original entities. States that gave, you know, that's why we have the Electoral College. Um, and states are kind of the building blocks from which American democracy was built. And so in New York, all the power that cities have comes from the state. And therefore, they can just basically take it away almost whenever they want. Now, the state constitution does say that it's unconstitutional for the legislature to pass what's called a special law. That is a law that just targets one particular jurisdiction uh, without any broader rationale. Um, And usually when the legislature looks to overturn or trump New York City, they at least do it with a kind of fiction. They say, in all the New York State cities that have over one million people, the following rules shall apply. And, of course, New York City is the only one. And sometimes when they think the city council of whatever place wants the policy, they'll ask for what's called a home rule message. But, you know, this just shows plainly how they think about it. In this case, it very clearly targets only New York City. It says the New York City Council right in the law. Um, so, look, I, I, we do uh, we are exploring uh, plans to litigate and say that this law, if the governor signs it, uh, is unconstitutional, according to the New York State Constitution. Um, and I hope we'll win. Uh, but unfortunately, the track record is that the state legislature has, you know, can sort of do whatever they want to cities, however they want to, up, down or sideways. And look, this is a growing trend in states around the country as well. Plastic bags are obviously not the same issue. I don't mean to make them, you know, uh, seem like I think they're the same as what North Carolina did on its transgender law. But there's just many, many examples right now. In Texas, the Texas state legislature is so angry about the city of Austin becoming a sanctuary jurisdiction that they're not only looking to, like, take Austin's money away, they're considering a bill that would declare as criminals any state legislators or elected officials who support sanctuary policies and remove them from office. So this is a scary and broader trend around the country. And I don't know, that puts plastic bags in perspective, but it's it's 
not good for democracy. Well, no matter what you do with the, no matter what happens with this plastic bag law, I mean, you're never going to get all the plastic bags out of New York. I mean, for instance, I drive to work every day uh, on the what on the Brooklyn Queens <laughs> Expressway, uh, the Gowanus Expressway, and I see loads and loads of cars from New Jersey, and uh, those people tend to throw garbage out the window. And I'm, we've talked about this on the air. <laughs> Uh, in our paper this week, we talked about the, the prospect of making the uh, one-way toll on the Verrazano Bridge a two-way toll, thus keeping some of those people from New Jersey you know, off that roadway. Uh, have you heard about that, and, and what do you think about it? And keep your answer limited to one minute, my friend, because we are running out of time here. All right. I have not seen this. I'd be glad to look more at it. I saw where on Staten Island they add to the trash cans like a big giant kind of catcher so people can just throw things from their cars into the trash can. It's a a uh, terrible, terrible idea. I've seen it in action and everyone misses. (laughs) All right. (laughs) That seems almost certainly true. So I'm against the wide netted trash bags for throwing trash from the car. And I'll have to get back to you on the Verrazano toll. It sounds good to me, but I, I'd want to learn more about it. All right, we got we to let him go. Vince yes. is always interested in The Rock. I have to say, Councilman Brad Lander, you've been a pleasure today. You're our Trump buster of the week. Jimmy, can we give him a round of applause? Uh, <laughs> Councilman Brad Lander, we will be in touch. we got to pay some bills, sir, so thank you for calling. Look forward to it. Thanks for there taking he the goes. time. There he goes. Take care. Hang up on him, Jimmy. Look, let's get a little, little music here because we're about to be called by a... Brooklyn Heights shrink. Hey, listen, let's just go right to the fact that I'm getting older and I'm going to need Village Care Max. You know why? It's a Medicaid managed long-term plan that helps me continue to stay at home and in my community for as long as I want. They got a team of healthcare professionals. They work with my doctor. They get me the best healthcare options available. So all you got to do is call Village Care Max, 800-469-6292 or visit villagecaremax.org. Village Care Max, live the life you and Brad Lander want to live. Gersh, I am a busy man. You are. And as such, sometimes I can't make it to the meat market. No way. I can't. And I got to have a steak for dinner, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? I call up Atlas Meat Market. I shop online. I take a look at what I want. I place the order. They deliver it right to my door. Wow. Pretty Atlas nice. Meat Market has all the finest cuts of steaks, veal, chicken. No pork. It is halal. Oh. And Atlas Meat Market, as you know, is located at 387 Avenue X in Brooklyn. You can reach them at 347-915-2000. They're open today from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Mm. 347-915-2000. Atlas Meat Market for the meat you want to eat. Okay. I'm not even going to waste your fucking time on this one. Joseph Lichter is the best fucking dentist in Brooklyn. Here's why. I can't say that. I can say it. Best fucking dentist in Brooklyn. Here's why. Zoom whitening, 395. Implants, 1250. Invisalign, the adult braces, $39.95. We got to take this call. We'll get to the, we're going to fit. All right, hold on one second on the call. I'm finishing up an ad. Hold on. We got veneer specials for $7.50. You call Joseph Lichter, 718-339-7878. His office is on Avenue P in Midwood. Joseph Lichter, the best smile you can have. He's a dentist for the New York Riveters, which is a hockey team. Best fucking dentist in Brooklyn. All right, we have our caller on the line. (laughs) We're joined. I, need a we, <laughs> I don't know anything about that. Now, listen, we're joined by Brooklyn Heights psychoanalyst Tracy Morgan. Now, Tracy and I have a very sordid history. We're not going to talk about that. We are going to talk about something very important. What's that, Gersh? Mor- Hi, Tracy. Hi. Dr. Morgan has raised almost $1,600 on GoFundMe to send Senator Elizabeth Warren flowers after she was censured and censored. By male senators. So, Tracy Morgan, give us the one-minute elevator pitch. What'd you do and why? (laughs) 
Well, we uh, we got people from all all sides of the aisle and uh, all across the country. Um, strangers, largely. Um, it was reposted on Facebook 250 times or more. This GoFundMe to send uh, Senator Warren flowers because um, we don't. We thought that they made an attempt to deflower her and. We sent... Uh, oh, hold on, hold on. Paging Dr. Freud. Deflower her? You going right there? that where you're going, going Morgan? Right there. We're go- we, we go right there. Okay. Everybody knows that flowers are sexual. So we're, we're sending $1,500 worth of flowers, better flowers than Ivanka had at her wedding, and uh, to Senator Warren's office in, in Boston. And uh, we um, are excited. We're waiting to hear. They have to go through security. Um, we don't think they're there yet. But... Um, you know, and the office is ready. And uh, and what's uh, what's the goal here? Fill the office with flowers to say to Senator uh, Warren. What are you trying to say to her? We're saying you, you're you're not alone. We've got your back. Um, we're not going to let them steal your verb. You can't put verb in the corner like the kind of verb she has. Um, and we really we're we're there to provide sustenance. We love her. We appreciate her. Um, you know, we're in a fight. Like, this is a long haul, and she needs to be kept um, uh, satiated, really. I mean, to keep on going, because you can't give, 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 give. You know, her job is in many ways probably quite thankless, um, just like the job of a psychoanalyst. You know, it can be very thankless. A lot of plugs and, there. Wow, a lot of plugs. Mm. Yeah, and so we wanted to, um, we really wanted to give her um, uh, a feeling that she is cherished. Did and you? I think that these flowers, we chose special flowers, hydrangea, calla lily, pink roses, and freesia, and they all have different um, symbolic meaning, but for endurance, encouragement, admiration. Mm-hmm. Um, so we chose specific flowers, and the florists in Boston were incredible. They called me last night almost at midnight in tears. They said, we persisted. We persisted. We got them the order at the last minute. Yeah. Um, now, you're, just, you're re- referring, obviously, to the Senator Mitch McConnell saying she was warned, she was told, she persisted. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And now we're persisting. We've all persisted. Uh, I persisted. We couldn't deliver to D.C. because there was a, an ethics problem, and there was, but Boston, we could deliver, no ethics problem. Um, and so we had to switch gears, and, you know, yesterday at 5 o'clock, uh, the night before Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, for Valentine's Day, we had to ask for a um, $1,500 flower order, and... We uh, went to the Brattle Square florist in Boston, and they were like, wow, we're going to persist. We'll be up all night doing this. And they sent us the photographs, and they're gorgeous. So Yeah, Jimmy, we're going to so, put those yeah, photographs put those up. You're telling me, though, there's an ethics problem mm-hmm. when you know constituents, people, mm-hmm. send flowers to a, a representative in, in Congress? Yeah, that's that's what uh, that's what. Uh, there's an ethics problem with that. And Vince an is Vince problem. is not asking for any personal reason because he doesn't want to send flowers to Paul Ryan, from what I understand. <laughs> not right now, but <laughs> it just seems very no, weird that, that that there's an ec- an ethics problem with that. Is, is there like bags of money in these flowers? <laughs> no, you can't send a bouquet. This is what we were told eventually by the senator's office over fifty dollars. And I said, well, what if we sent like a you know whatever, however many, you know, a hundred of them? At, you I'm know, not good at math. <laughs> And that me either. I'm terrible at math. But I, they were like, no, we can't accept more than one mm, from mm. one group. And I was like, oh, God. So, you know, it was like, like we were going to buy her off. She was going to owe us something. Well, something. originally. You should try to send them to Mitch McConnell, see if he takes them, <laughs> and then go after them. <laughs> That's right. No, but I mean, originally, I think, uh, Dr. Morgan, you were going to do, you were trying to get individual people to send flowers. But then you well, ended up doing the GoFundMe page. 
Yeah, I mean, I just sort of, I just was like, I'm going to send her flowers. And I said that to, to friends at dinner, and they were like, oh, man, yeah, let's send her flowers. And then I thought more about it, and I was like, another, a friend of mine who's a journalist said, like, actually, do a GoFundMe page. He's like, he's like, every, he's like, so many people will contribute. For and the record, for of, the record, I was not that journalist. No, you were not that journalist. <laughs> but, um, but I thought it was a great idea. I'd never done GoFundMe before. Um, of course, I find out that GoFundMe does not pay for their, um, uh, female employees to have abortions, um, so we're not going to use them again. I found that up after wow. the fact. Are you talking about mandatory yep. mandatory yep. abortions? So, anyway. Right, well, that's so horrible. That's how it came about, and I think people did also individually send her flowers, so I have a feeling that her D.C. office is either turning away flowers if the, you know, if the, if the bouquets were worth over $100. I was like, how are you going to know? Yeah. But yeah. anyway, we, we don't want to get her in any trouble, so we're happy to send it to Boston, and, you know, it's the, they were ready. They were ready to accept them. There. Now, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out uh, that uh, Tracy Morgan is a psychoanalyst in Brooklyn Heights, one of the best. Now, let's talk a little bit about the psychoanalytical implications of these flowers. You and I and other people are saying that Senator Mitch McConnell ostensibly castrated, in a Freudian sense, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Castrated, right. cut out her tongue, if you will, right. which isn't castration. Right. What do the yeah. flowers mean? What, I don't understand the floral connection. <laughs> flowers are libid, uh, flowers are very um, they're libidinal, they're sexual. Um, you know, they're I mean these guys are clearly clearly riddled with envy mm. over her verve and over her intelligence and over her drive. But I thought she I was mean, the one who envied their penis. She doesn't envy their penis. They envy her penis. I mean, really she's <laughs> you know, she's really got it and you can see that when you watch her. She's so smart. She's so on, and she's fearless. Got, I've gotten a little lost. Like Who, fearful. I've gotten a little she's lost. Fearless. Who's got the penis? Who's got the penis? She's got it. She's got the penis. Yeah, she's got the penis, and okay. they're trying to take it from her because they're not sure if they have it. Well, they don't. They don't have balls. We know that. Well, yeah. We, what we say in psychoanalysis is we don't use penis so much. We just say phallus, meaning like uh, the symbol of power. A symbol of power. She okay. has. She has a lot of power. Sure. And yeah. they tried to take away her power in a specific way to silence. To, to humiliate someone. I mean, humiliation always has its sexual tinge, right? Sure, yeah, I know that from Would personal agree, experience. Yeah, yeah, I know a little bit about that, yeah. Yeah, so um, so there is that element. And, you know, if it was a man, would they have stopped a man from reading Coretta Scott King? No, they would I not. They would so. not have stopped a man. Would a man have read Coretta Scott King? Sure. Okay. I mean, didn't Just Bernie Sanders read, you know, Bernie read, read the letter later yeah. or, or parts of the letter, right? I mean, so it was okay for a man to read the letter. It would have been okay for a man to have, you know, been the first to read the letter, mm. I believe. But these guys are, like, straight out of The Handmaid's Tale. You know, I mean, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, like, you know, the devaluation of women's minds. Um, if, you know, I mean, let's face it, if abortion is overturned, right, what that's going to mean for what it means to be a woman it's in this country? Handmaid's Tale all over again. By 50 years, I saw Dirty Dancing. Did you, Tracy Morgan, if I'm not mistaken, you your card to Elizabeth Warren did include a quote from The Handmaid's Tale, or at least your press release did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't What's that quote? Don't let the bastards get you down. Don't let the bastards get you down. Yeah, we originally had it in Latin, but then, like, I guess um, somebody thought that wasn't good for the press release. I so believe it's a dead language. As a member of the press, I believe I said to you, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that's right. Yes. You've said that to me before. That's true. Again, personal um, disclosure aside, yes, I have indeed yeah. said that before. But anyway, yeah. no, but what you're doing, and i got to say, Vince, I know Tracy Morgan for many years. What she's doing here is actually very valuable because she's basically saying to Elizabeth Warren, they came for your penis, 
but we're going to support you with flowers. That's, right. what, that's what it seems like. Yes. Well, that's an accurate summary, right? <laughs> sure. All right. And if anybody wants to help fund this, should, is the GoFundMe page still open there, Dr. Morgan? No, the, uh, it's, it's closed for now. I mean, maybe we'll do a Mitch McConnell and see if he has any ethics. I like that. Anyway, <laughs> Tracy Morgan, doctor and psychoanalyst in Brooklyn Heights. She's got a, I think she's got a patient coming in, so we've got to let her go, right, Vincent? I do. I do indeed. Thank you, guys. Yeah, so I'll, be, I'll be right over. Please save me a seat. There you go. A couch, yes, I believe. absolutely. You'll come lie on the couch. Thank okay. you, Dr. Morgan. we got to pay right. some bills. Thank you. Well, that, that was, was Tracy Morgan. I got to ask you, Gersh. What? Yeah? You know, she brought up that whole thing about GoFundMe. I don't know how true it is or not, but you're on GoFundMe. What, what do you think about that? Well, I'm on GoFundMe, and if it is true that GoFundMe does not— Because we don't know if that's true or not. She know. made that claim. If GoFundMe does not, in fact, finance the health care, and I say all health care, of its female employees, I'm going to have a real problem with that. Okay. So we'll check that out. Jimmy, we'll check that out after look the show. Up. Look, you got to pay one more bill. Can we get that music? Yeah, where's that music? <laughs> From Elizabeth Warren's penis to Atlas Steakhouse. Atlas Steakhouse offers a selection of premium cuts, aged on site for perfect texture and taste. Atlas Steakhouse, an extensive list of vintage wines, expertly mixed classic and signature cocktails, and signature appetizers guaranteed to stimulate your palate. Atlas Steakhouse. Your choice cut steak crafted into a culinary masterpiece just for you. Delightful desserts, each sweeter than the last. How do they do that, Vince? They line them up. Yeah. There's a line of desserts there. And they're just from left to right. Left to right. And you start off with, you know, sweet. Yeah, like a like And then a, the last one is sweeter last than one's the one like previous. A, a pear compote with, with that. Sweet stuff. It Honey. is as sweet yeah. as as sweet as you can get. Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Island Avenue. You can find them online at atlassteak.com. They're in Ditmas Park. Check them out. <clears throat> well, we got to get out. I know Vince wanted to get to the big Ordway Spillway story. Oh, man, we got to talk I about know, that. We don't have time. Because people are in trouble, over, Gersh. I looked over at your screen, yeah. and you, you never know what you're going to look at. Sometimes it's porn. But now it's Edgardo Alfonso. Well, as you know, uh, the Brooklyn paper and our uh, conglomerate, as we like to call it, the Community News Group and New York City Community Media, will be honoring mm. immigrants. Oh, well, of course you should. Their as contributions well we should. are enormous. And guess who one of the immigrants we want to honor? I haven't made any phone calls yet. Well, you should start with a phone call. Brooklyn Cyclones manager. Edgardo Alfonso. Baseball! And is that is, is Edgardo Alfonso different from Edgar Alfonso, the original Cyclones manager? Yeah, I know. We would honor him, but he never played for the Mets. Ah, interesting. So we're only going to honor the Edgardo Alfonso that played for the Mets. I see what you're saying. He well, played great. second base for the Mets, went to the World Series with him in 2000 and... Zero. 2000. <laughs> 2000 and zero, and yes. And lost... To the Yanks in yeah. four, four games to one because... Five, team five of, games. Five games to two. No, it was four games to one. Four games to one. Four games to one. Five and games to two. And it's all because, and if you're listening, Timo Perez, you didn't run out that fly ball, and it landed, and you should have scored, and you would have taken a lead, and you would have won game one, and the whole series would have been different. Uh, I remember that. Okay. And, and you're not as angry as I am. No, I'm not. He did not run it out. He didn't run it you out. You know what? That's because the Mets don't care. I was literally it's yelling, run. I was literally yelling, run, Timo, run, like I was yelling, run, for us. That was run. the first inning, right? Yeah, first inning. All right. We got to get out. Vince, can we get the little sign-out music? I know we got a couple of minutes, but i got to end this show because i got work to do at the New York Daily News where I, Gersh Kunspin, work every day in addition to hosting a great radio show on Brooklyn Paper Radio with Vince DiMaselli, the editor of the Brooklyn Paper. We record live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. from the Brooklyn Paper building in downtown Brooklyn. Vince, I didn't say it enough. You're a handsome man. Happy Valentine's Day to oh, you. Oh, thank you, Gersh. Can I, I let go of your hand now? You can let go of my hand. It got a little sweaty. Thank okay. you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>